The following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Give it up for Jesus. He's the one worthy. Come on. Hallelujah. That's right. That's right. Good to see you. As they say in Missouri, good to see you. Good to see you. What a, hey, y'all think we've lost our mind, don't you? It's kind of funky here in the middle. We're doing this because the, the show tonight, and we had to add some extra seats because we sold more tickets and we had chairs in this building. And so we had to add some more seats, but it, I, I kind of like it. I kind of like it. I kind of like the fact that you can't get away from me right here. <laughs> what a joy. I want us to do something here today before I ever start my, uh, my message today. I want us to, to give honor to some people. My dad fought in World War II and, uh, and uh, did a noble job. He hardly ever talked about it. Great people hardly ever talk about greatness. They just talk about life. And my dad taught me a lot about life, but he was a, uh, he was a warrior. Left school as a junior in high school. His mother had to sign for him to get into the, to the, to the Navy and he fought in the, in, in, the, in the Second World War. And he told me one time, he said, Son, because you preach the gospel, you have a freedom to preach the gospel. If you ever see somebody with a flag draped over their casket, he said, I don't care what kind of person they've been. They did something for you. They gave you a freedom to preach the gospel over them. He said, you honor them. And so that's how I was raised. That's how I was raised. So today, if, if we're going to honor, yesterday was Veterans Day. I thought about my dad all day. And so today we're going to honor the veterans. If you're a lady or a man that has served in our military of any kind, any time, we want you to stand to your feet. Hold your applause. Just hold your applause. But stand to your feet right now. We want to look at you. Just hold your applause. Hold your applause. Hold your applause. Just right now. We want to look at Just look at them. Let's just look at them. Here they go. All over. Here they are. Come on. Just keep standing. You're going to be standing a while up in the balcony. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Do you mind now giving them a thunderous applause? Because... Come on, come on, come on, keep standing, come on, keep standing, keep standing, keep standing, come on, thunderous applause, thunderous applause, come on, yes sir, yes sir, that's right, that's right, we honor you veterans, we honor you, now, if you're sitting by one that's standing, reach up and shake their hand and say, thank you for giving yourself and service to our country. Would you do that right now before you are seated? God bless you. Thank you, veterans. Wow, what a joy to pastor. And they're scattered all over the building, so I'm not left-handed or right-handed. They're everywhere in the building today. Thank you for being here. I wish you'd stand. We're going to read the word of the Lord here in just a moment. But before we do, last Sunday morning, there's some folks that went to church down in Sutherland Springs at the First Baptist Church. About 50 in the congregation and they were a, a neat little family down there. And a gunman decided that they didn't need to live any longer so he walked in and, and took 26 lives. Several wounded. You never know what a day holds. But today I think it would be very, very good for us as a church to have just a moment of silence for those people. And before you go into that silence, I want you to know our church is planning on sending that church a wonderful love offering to help with the expense of things that I know they're going to be under. And that precious pastor and his wife who lost their daughter in the, uh, 
and the assault. And we're going to give them honor today by just a moment of silence. Would you do that right now? Bow your head and close your eyes. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And we pray for the Sutherland Springs people today because it's just not right. It's just not right. But we live in a world that's very strange today, folks, and it's, uh, it's very unique how things sometimes kind of work in life. You don't understand. You don't get a grip on it. But we'll understand it better one day. Amen? Amen. I want to I take the second part of this lesson today. We call it masquerade. We're calling it masquerade, and I, I love the, the beautiful picture that J.C. put up here for us. And last week, Brad talked about conflict. Now, now this kind of preaching kind of gets up in your business, okay? So I don't want you about 15 minutes in to think you've got to go get some water for the next 15 minutes. Because <laughs> that's what I'm going to think if you decide to get up more, or you just can't hold your bladder another 20 minutes, all right? Understand that? Because I'm going to think, ooh, they can't take this kind of preaching and teaching. I'm going to teach some gospel to you today. Today we're going to unmask our chaotic lives. We're going to unmask chaos today. Our theme verse is 2 Corinthians. We refuse to wear masks and play games. We don't maneuver and manipulate behind the scenes. Rather, we keep everything we do and say out in the open. It's time to take the mask off. And see where we are in our walk with God. I love all of you. I thank God for you. Thank you for the privilege of preaching to you on this Sunday morning. And I've never had people sit right here. But it's an honor to see you sitting right here today. God bless you. you may be seated. You're awesome people. Everybody say we all have issues. By the way, to our Tulsa church that had 61 people last Sunday, we salute you. It's coming up. It's coming on. And to all that listen by Facebook, we all have issues, but the problem is that we spend more time masking them than we do trying to fix them. So behind the mask, today we're unmasking our chaotic lives. There's an author named Dennis Rainey who teaches in his, in his church a sixth grade Sunday school class. And every year he does the same thing the first time those sixth graders come into his Sunday school class. He does the same thing. He has three puzzles and he breaks his, his room up into three groups. And he takes these puzzles and he pours the pieces of the first puzzle out on the floor. And those, those kids look at those pieces and then they put the box top there so they can have something to go by. And the only, only rule is you can't talk. You cannot communicate. You cannot speak to one another because they would get beside themselves asking him questions. He knows that. It's for more than just him. And then so the second group, second group he, he, he pours their puzzle pieces out and then he puts a box top up. But what he puts up is not the right picture. The first group has the right picture. The second group has a box top, but it's all together a different puzzle. And then the third group, he puts up them, puts something up for them. And it is, it is the puzzle pieces, but they don't even have a box top. They have nothing to reference. And he said, the first group works pretty steadily. Oh, they fuss a little bit within, you know, mm, 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 can't talk. They, they want to talk. The second group, they look and see that what is on the picture, on the box, is not what's, not what's what they got in their hand to work with. And so after a while, that box top just whirled to a corner. It's thrown away. 
They look at him with pleading eyes like, would you at least give us the right picture? And he won't do it. And then the third group has no picture at all, nothing to reference. And they're really the cool kids, really, because after a while, they just, quit, they just get tired of trying. They just lay down by the puzzle, just forget it. And somebody told him one time he was a cruel teacher. And he said, no, I'm not a cruel teacher. But there's a point that I make today. He said, life, he said, marriages and family are like the pieces of the puzzle. The pieces are all there for us, but something is needed to bring order out of chaos. There has to be a reference point. There has to be something that you can reference in your life. I would like to take you to the Word of the Lord today and reference some things to your spirit and to my heart about this thing called chaos in life. But I would like to preface what I say today because in the Chinese symbols, the language of the Chinese, in the symbols of, of Chinese, the, the symbol for crisis, hidden in the symbol of crisis is two symbols, two little symbols that represents opportunity, the word opportunity. So in every crisis that you have, in every crisis you have, it is overwhelmed by the fact that opportunity can come out of that crisis. And so today I want to preach something that will bring something to life in your life out of the crisis maybe you're living in your life. Today's question is, are you living your life with a sense of intentionality? You know what the proper reaction sometimes would be? They would, people would laugh at you and say, yeah, right, pastor. I'm not living on purpose. I'm raising kids. <laughs> they have a purpose and it's to drive me crazy. I believe that very few people would say everything that I do and the way I live is right along with what God is calling me to do in my life. Not few people would only say this, I live with a sense of intentionality. It's very important that we live life, everybody say intentionally. You have to live it. Many of us allow the world's pace to define our pace. And so therefore many people like to complain about the pace of their life. Well, how have you been? Oh, just real busy. Like it's cool or it's a rite of passage. One man came to me not long ago and said, my wife is so busy, she doesn't have the time to tell me how busy she really is. That's busy, folks. Or it has to happen if you want to be successful in life, you have to have this rite of passage that you're busy. Let me say to you this morning, that's not God's best life for you. Busy. Because many of us get to the point that instead of peace and life and purpose, there is stress, and there's depression, and there's psychological disorder. We're literally living our lives unfocused and chaotic. And so I want to ask you a few, uh, just a few questions today, and however you answer them is whether you need what I have to say or not. But whether you need it or not, you're going to stay here till I get through, all right? <laughs> Love you. Are you always in a hurry? Uh-huh. Running late for stuff like school and like work and church. Is it, is your to-do list always unrealistically too long? Like you got 30 minutes to do 20 things? I'll never get done today. Never. Do you use your days off to catch up on unfinished work or do you just, can you rest on those days? Has more than one person ever told you that you need to slow down? Come on, come on. At least smile. Give me a, give me a cough or something. Thank you. Do you feel guilty when you relax? 
Do you find yourself as fatigued on Monday morning as you are on Friday? It's not the way we live. Need to live. To live a life God intended, we have to stop acting like that is all okay, all right? And I want to say openly that I don't think it is a rite of passage to be busy all the time. By the way, anybody got one of these? Mm-hmm. See the spurs on the back? That doesn't help this to, to not become chaotic. You understand what I'm saying? This is chaos. I'm holding chaos in my hand right now. I'm holding it. God, for the days that we had cars and had a TV that just got three stations, amen, and didn't have internet, didn't have Facebook. Come on, I'm preaching right now. Didn't have all that stuff. You know what this is? This is a chaotic situation waiting to happen right now. And I promise you, folks, that when you get... When you take a selfie and send it out, you get so upset because if somebody don't comment on it in the next 30 seconds. You know, I never take a selfie because you see, I got a crack in my phone. I'm afraid I'd have three if I took a picture of myself. But I'm holding chaos in my hand, folks. You know, if somebody texts you, it's all right to wait a little while before you text back. It don't mean you don't love me if you don't just answer right away. Come on, let's take some time to exhale and put these down. When I go home at night, I plug it in. Oh, that's my pretty wife there. I plug it in. I turn it off. And I say, peace, peace, wonderful peace. Nothing like living in peace in a world of chaos. Jesus warned us. He said, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation. I mean, it'll slip away and you don't know it and you're, you're evaporating. If you have your cell phone on now, turn it off, please. I'm hearing some messages to me that not supposed to be to me. Drunkenness. It's actual drunkenness, but all throughout Scripture, drunkenness always represented someone whose life was out of control. And the anxieties of life at, at, and that day will close in on you unexpectedly like a trap. God's Word offers a lot when it comes to getting our lives under control. When life becomes chaotic, we become, first of all, scattered. Everybody say scattered. That's a good word. Isn't it true? We're doing a lot of things not very well instead of doing a few things extremely well. We think to better our kids, we have to do it all. You know, we have to do piano. We have to have them tutored. We have to send them to the greatest coaches. We have to put them in ballet and dance and football and soccer and bas- baseball and basketball and birthday parties and a friend's house and this and that and go pick them up and we're just taxi drivers. And when we get to the end of it, our kids aren't turning out the way we want and neither are we because we haven't taken time. Our lives are like ships passing in the night and none of us would say, this is exactly how I planned it. And if you end up scattered, you almost always become, the second thing is reactive. You become reactive. And most of the time, when you're reactive, you become mean. Ah! Ah! I know it's being filmed and I'm not losing my mind, but oh, God. In reaction, a horrible thing. Isn't it a horrible thing when you're all tense and things don't go your way, you're scattered? Instead of living our lives proactively, we're putting out fires. The urgent ends up taking the place of the important. And I'm going to preach what's important in a little while. So we live our lives, not with the things that we wanted to get done, but because the urgent took the place of the important in our lives. So we get scattered. 
we get reactive, then we become frantic, frazzled. It's chaos, folks. It's chaos. And I'm going to get up in your business now. I love this word because I looked up the definition and it's hilarious. The, the definition of frantic is hilarious. You know what it means? Emotionally out of control. <laughs> it means you become a screaming, 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 whatever. You put the word in there. You just can't handle it. Life just gets beside you. Some of you are pointing to the person next to you, sitting to you, sitting next to you and saying, it's them. I like this. The rest, of that, the rest of that definition says marked by fast and nervous, disordered, anxiety-driven activity. Folks, you don't want to get in that kind of stuff. But when you get scattered and you become reactive, you become frantic. And then it leads to that final word that we all hate. It's called stressed. <laughs> Somebody love that one, Stressed. We're just stressed. And some of you are saying, I read the books and I've been to all the seminars, but it doesn't work. Can I offer you a better way of living today? Can I offer it to you? I got something for you. The Word of God has some ideas that if you put them to practice, can be the remedy to the epidemic we're facing. I want to give you a firm warning as a pastor who loves you, though. I'm going to talk to you. I pray for you, and I'm charged by the Scripture to watch over your souls as a shepherd. Living those kind of lives are not healthy. Scattered lives, reactive lives, frantic lives, stressed lives are not healthy. I wanted this to be a part of the series because I'm convinced that chaos needs to be unmasked in this hour. Would you clap your hands and rejoice in that? It's not fun, but it's true. We live lives that are moving at too fast of a pace. And it's killing us. And I'm sorry, folks, I got to say it. I just got to say this. But we're so speeded up during the day, we have to take medicine to sleep at night because our brain won't turn off. That's not the will of God for you to have to have something to help you rest because your brain is moving so fast during the day. Somewhere you got to stop and say, I'm going to exhale just a little bit here. I'm going to rest just a little bit here. And I'm going to say, God, I need a little break. I need help. You need to call on some power greater than your own power because some things that you're running into are causing you to be scattered and causing you to be, be reactive. It's causing you to be frantic, causing you to be stressed. And it's time to release that in the name of the Lord to the one that can help you with that problem. Come on, clap your hands. Job said it this way. Job said, my days go by faster than a runner. They fly away with my see, without me seeing any joy. They, uh, Solomon said it this way, a person in a hurry makes mistakes. See, God's plan in his word is rest. And I will share with you, rest is not an activity. It's a state of mind. Somebody say, Pastor, we're going on vacation, we'll get some rest. You know what you do? You come home and get rest. Because when you get on vacation, you say, oh, what? we've we got to ride horses today. We've got to climb that mountain today. We've got to go over here to this fall today and go swimming in that water over there. We've got to do this. We've got to do that. And you come home every night to the, back to the hotel every night after that and say, my God, I'm give out. I'm more slap out. I'm ready to get back to work. Rest is not activity. It's a state of mind. That's why the Bible says in Exodus, the Lord said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. 
Can I tell you what true rest is? It's the presence of God that wants to come and infiltrate your life and say, lean on me. I am your God and I'll give you rest and I'll help you. In Matthew 11, he says, come to me, all you that are who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest and you'll find rest for your souls with me and only with me. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap today. He's deserving. There's a powerful verse in the book of Psalms. That I preach at funerals many times and it really needs to be preached today. Teach us to number our days and recognize how few they, they are and help us to spend them as we should. You know, I, I did a little math the other day and you can do it when you get home, but 80 years is 29,220 days. And we must, we must live every day intentionally. We cannot be drugged by the world's speed and by the world's chaos. We got to walk to the beat of another drummer. We've got to follow another path. We've got to choose a greater way. And that greater way is following a shepherd, Christ Jesus, a one that wants to help you in your life and in your journey. And I, I, I will tell you this, I will tell you this, that when you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these other things will be added. But if you, if you seek what you want to seek, you'll never see the addition principle in your life. But you've got to seek first His kingdom because He is the author and He's the finisher of our faith. Last week, the little folks in Sutherland Springs went to church like any other day. And 26 of them didn't come out of the building and several more were wounded. You never know what the last day will be. So why don't we spend our days intentionally looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Amen. Here's what, I've, here's what I understand. In order to reorder our lives, there has to be a framework. There has to be this context, something to measure your activity and decisions by. And what is the filter that you process everything through so you know how to answer the questions? What do you, what do you filter everything through so you know that you're doing the right thing? The truth is we all have a, have a set of values of things that are important to us. I will say this to you folks. I have always preached to young couples that are getting married. I've always preached this, that the greatest word in marriage is not love, it's not communication, it's value. It's value. Because how you value something is how you're going to treat it. If you've got a new car and you, and you put a dent in the fender and you don't like it anymore, you won't value it, you won't wash it, you won't clean it because you dented it. If you, if, you, if you value your house, you're going to have it painted every now and then. You're going to fix up the yard. If you value your relationship with your wife or your husband, you're going to treat them as you value them. You see, my wife doesn't look like she looked like the day I married her. And by the way, I don't either. I had hair when we got married. And I didn't eat a lot of bluebell. It wasn't invented. But the bottom line is simply this. The bottom line is this, that we have changed. But our values for one another have not changed. So the value of our relationship is that we're going to respect when things are not going right. And we're going to love when things are on the bottom. And we're going to love when things are going bad and good. We're going to be with each other because we value the relationship that God has given us. And there's got to be a core value in your life that you run everything through and filter everything through because it has to be the determining factor of what you're going to be in your life with Jesus Christ. Can you say amen to that? So here's three principles. Here's three of them. And I, I, I want to submit to you that your home, your home is the most important thing in the whole world. 
It's the most important thing in the whole world. We teach here, not so you'll just be successful in business. And we love business and we want people to be successful in business. But I think the greatest thing we could ever teach and preach in this church is that you have to have a home that is complete that has the God factor in it, that has the principle and the values of life in it that really matter, that really, really do matter. Amen? It's time, it's time, folks, to turn off the young and the restless. It's time to turn off General Hospital in whatever days of our life. It's time. Those people aren't going to give you the right values. It's time to get in your Bible and start looking at the Word of God and understand that this is what I need in my life. And God give me the reason to believe that this is what I need in my life. So here's the, here's the first one. You've got to identify your unique values. You've got to identify them. So what is? What is your values? What would it look like if you and your family got together and says, what makes us unique? Now, I'm going to share with you some of our values, and you don't have to copy them. You don't have to write them down. But I'm going to share them with you. I've got three beautiful daughters, and I've got three hairy-legged son-in-laws. That produce some very beautiful kids. We have seven grandkids and they're all just beautiful. And my kids are prettier than yours and don't even argue with me on that, okay? <laughs> I love you. But here's, here's some values that, I, that I, I share with my kids and I've shared with them all their life. Everybody in my house gets a grace A+. A+. They pass the grade without even taking the course. Wow. There is nothing earned in our house. You don't have to earn mom and dad's love. You don't have to earn it. It's there. It's for you. We love unconditionally. And there is no pecking order. There's no favorite daughter, second favorite daughter, third favorite daughter. There's no favorite son-in-law, second favorite, third favorite. They all think they're the favorite. You know why? They are. They are the favorite. I'm going to cry here in just a minute. Every instruction is not reactive. We don't say, hmm. I'm coming out of my corner. I'm going to handle that. Everything's proactive with our family. We answered on the front side, not the back side of life. And relationships will never be destroyed in our home because everything is done intentionally. We intentionally love our kids. We intentionally love our grandkids. We inten- my two oldest grandkids, 18 and 14, came and spent a whole week with Sweet P and I while their parents went on a cruise. And I'm glad they got back. But you know what? You know what? The parents got a little bothered, just a little bit, just a little bothered because those boys didn't want to go home because they love Sweet Pea and Bo's house. They love it because I went and bought, I went to the academy and bought one of, my, one of my grandsons, the Duke NFL football, and I bought another one, a beautiful sweater. And they said, oh, Bo Daddy, we just, we live with you forever. And Sweet Pea always fixed them up and did them right. And, and, you know, we just did that. And they didn't want to go home. Oh, they'll go home, but they didn't want to go home. And it made me feel so good because I want my kids to know they get a grace A-plus when they walk in the doors of our house. And so if I treat my family that way, years ago when I came to pastor this church, I said, I'm going to treat this church that way. It's the only way I've ever pastored. So when you walked on the porch today, everybody that walked in here got a grace, A+. You got an A+, today. Is that pretty good? You like that? You got a grace, A+. There's nothing earned. You don't have to earn the love of this pastor, the love of the God that I preach about. You don't have to earn that. It's for you. It's free. And love is unconditional in this church. And there's no pecking order. 
We love the educated. We love the uneducated. We love the people that are prosperous. We love the people that can't pay their bills. We love people that have jobs. We love people that don't have jobs. We love people that are high. We love people that are low. We love people that are divorced. We love people that are married. We love people that are single. We love everybody in this house because everybody matters in the kingdom of God. And you ought to get excited about that. That's what we preach here. And there never will be a time when I will preach mad at this congregation. The only thing I'll ever be aggravated at is the enemy. I hate the enemy. He's our enemy. And he's a liar. And the truth is not in him. And I'm going to preach Jesus, the one that I love. Can you clap your hands? That's what you're going to get when you walk in this church. We're family. Relationships will never be destroyed. And everything here is done intentionally. And that's beautiful. I want to show you a verse that will give you some insight to this principle. Jeremiah said... This is what the Lord says, stand in the crossroads and look and ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you'll find rest for your souls. Wow. Hey, church, can I call you back to a place? Is it all right to call you back to a place where you'll know who you are and what you do and what you don't do? Can I call you back? And I can see some of you thinking that's as a party that's saying, yes, yes, I'll go there. And then there's this natural mind that's thinking, that's impossible. There's no way I can do that. I can't get back there. Who wants to stay living, though, in a chaotic life? Who wants to live that way toward more depression, more anxiety, more stress? At some point, you've got to stop or you'll make yourself sick. Listen, I've never heard anyone on their deathbed wish they'd spend another day at the office. But I have heard them say, I wish I'd have spent more time with my family. And I'm not trying to make you lazy, but let's fix some things now. What is your values that you stream everything through in your life? The second thing is you've got to identify your single most important objective. So you find your values in what's your most important objective. In other words, find the one thing that you're going to promote that's going to promote your values. What's the one thing that if you did, it would improve your family and enhance your cause together? Here's a scripture, Proverbs. It says, an intelligent person aims at wise action, but a fool starts off in many directions. A wise person aims. You think you got time for that? Oh, yeah, we can make that work. And so we reach and reach. But a fool starts off in many directions. But the Apostle Paul said it this way. He said, brothers, I don't consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do. Can you hold up one finger and say there's one thing that I want to do in life? I want to please the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say that? That's so simple. But can you say that? I want to please Jesus Christ in my life. I want to please the one that died for me on the cross, was buried for me, rose again, ascended, is coming back for me. I want to please him because I know if I please him, I'm going to please all of heaven. I'm going to please all of heaven. Can you move into that realm with God? Can that be your objective that I will make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life, not just the Savior of my life, but the Lord of my life. I'm going to make him Lord of my life today. So you need to ask yourself if by Christmas... Our family did this, would we be much better off for it? And the answer would be yes, 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 yes. See, I think, I just think it's important that families still be families. Can I talk this way? Give me just two seconds here. I love eating together with my family. Every Sunday night our kids come over and they sit there and we sit around the table and boy do we talk. Mainly, I listen because I've talked all day Sunday and I'm tired of it. <laughs> but we talk. We share. We share victories. We share defeats. We share ups. We share downs. We share, we share salutations. We share bad news. We share those kind of things. 
And it's important because when we get through sharing, we bless our kids and we send them home for another week. And I'm kind of frustrated tonight because, not chaotic, but frustrated. Because we're coming to a, a, con, a, a thing here tonight, a, a comedy show, and our kids won't get to come over tonight. It's just kind of what we do on Sunday night. Anybody want to be my kids? Come over on Sunday. But we make that our objective, that family matters under the canopy of Jesus Christ. And so the third thing you need to do, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to close here in just a little bit. You've got to check your progress regularly. The guys are going to hate me for this, and the ladies are going to love me. But sometimes you've got to sit down and talk. All the guys are like, Pastor, I thought you loved me. Well, I do love you, but you've got to have a meeting sometime with your wife. And you've got to say, how are we progressing, hon? How's it going? How's it going in your world? How's it going? My wife loves when I come home. And I don't do it all right, folks. I really don't. There's a lot of things I need to do a lot better. But there's one thing I do, and I, I love my family. I truly love my family. And I'll come in, and she'll be cooking something. And I think, boy, I'm a lucky guy to have a wife that'll cook for me. Man, that's so cool. And I'll walk in, and I'll put my arms around her. And I'll capture her heart with my arms around her. And I'll kiss her hair and back of her neck and not anything out of the ordinary. Not anything. It's just, it's just a husband's love to his wife. And I say, babe, I'm so proud to be your husband. And she says, we need to talk. <laughs> you know what I do? I go, we, I got, we got some bar. We got some tape. We got a little bar area there where we scoot the grandkids up and they eat on Sunday night. And I sit at that at bar table and she says okay here's what, here's what we got to talk about and I love to talk with Patty I love it and it's not always about us it's about situations it's about life but we got to check our progress you got you to get your values you got to get your objective then you got you to you take some self examination and say are we moving in the right direction in this thing because we've got to get away from this chaos in life we must get away from it and so we'll talk and we'll share and the joy of it, I'll get up and we'll hug and I'll go out in the backyard, sit in my lawn furniture, wait on dinner to be served and make several more calls on this thing. And then I come in, I plug it in, I turn it off and it's off for the rest of the night and chaos is gone. Because it's my home. Does that make sense? It's my home. Careful planning, Proverbs said, puts you ahead in the long run. Hurry and scurry puts you further behind. Reliable communication, Proverbs says, permits progress. But I'm closing today, and I'm, all you folks that are going to dedicate your children, get them ready. Randy, if you'll come to the piano, I'd appreciate it. We're going to dedicate some kids here in just a moment and close it. But all these three things that I've just listed, learning your values, what you're going to what you're going to send your, your stuff through, what you're going to sort your stuff out with, your values and your objective. And then you're, you're talking, getting the, getting the progress worked out in your, in your conversations. There's one thing that I call the key to it all. I call it the key to it all. And here it is. I don't think, I'm going to back up on everything I've said now. I don't think life is really about making our lives work. I don't think life is about me or it's about you. I, re- I don't really think life is about just families and work. It's not about the progress that we make with our companies. 
It's not about that at all. I think it's about something much greater than that. Because as a preacher, every Sunday morning when I stand in this pulpit, I see something greater than just today. I see a tomorrow. I see an eternal day. I see a day when all this is going to be over. When the chaos and the conflict and all the stuff that we have to handle in this rapid-paced world is over. And we're really going to rest. We're really going to rest because we'll be in the presence of God for the rest of our lives. Hallelujah. And there will be no end to that rest. And it'll be a wonderful, wonderful day. And we'll be fishing by the, by the river of life. And there'll be golf in heaven, I hope. And there'll be all kinds of things for us to do. But it'll never be with the hurry and the scurry and the, the running and the chasing and the looking for and the trying to gain and the trying to climb the ladder. It'll never be that way again. It's called tomorrow. It's called eternity. Ephesians said it this way, be very careful how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. A plane was shot down several years ago over the Soviet Union. It was a Korean airline. And the reason it was shot down is because the pilot of the airliner accidentally punched in the wrong set of navigational coordinates after a fueling stop in Alaska, then everything he punched in after that was all wrong because he started with the wrong base. And it put him over the Soviet airspace and they shot that Korean airline down and 269 people lost their life. Now here's the point. The point is that somewhere in your life, you've got to find the right coordinate. You've got to find the right thing that you can plug yourself into. Can I present him today? Can I present, it's a person. Can I present Jesus to you today? And I tell you, that's the person that will help you with your grief. He said, come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy, my burden's light. It's, tire, it's time to get away from the heavy yoke and put the yoke of Jesus on you. And let Jesus walk with you in this life. And let him handle the chaos. Let him handle the stress. Let him handle the frantic times. Let him handle the scattered times. Let him handle those for you because he'll do it. He's a big brother that will take care of you. Bow your heads and close your eyes just a moment. Let me pray with you. Dear Father, I love you and I thank you for today and your goodness and your mercy. I thank you for your kindness to us. I thank you because you are a loving Savior. God, let us look beyond this life and see an eternality that's waiting on us. A greater life that's waiting on us. That is going to be so grand and so beautiful and so great in our future. Let it happen and let it unfold. Let us share that in today because you've made us to sit in heavenly places where we are even right now. Bless this congregation. Let us exhale. Let us slow down. Let us say no to chaos and yes to calm. Let us say no to chaos and less to calm. Yes to calm. In Jesus' name.